Do you like to binge watch TV? Did you know you could binge listen to podcasts? Head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days. You like podcasts about wrestling? They have that. Do you like podcasts about TV and film? They have that. Do you like podcasts about horror? EMC has that too. Do you like comedy? Do you like books? Guess what? They've got you covered. Head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today. Hey, Paul, look over there at the size of that moose. Son, that's no moose. That there is a pile of bullspit. Spit with Moose. This episode, we're going to shoot the bowl about life, ads, and animation. To do that, I guess I'm going to need someone to shoot the bowl with. Ooh, I've always wanted to try this. Thunder! Thunder! Thundercats! Ho! Uh, uh, excuse me, Paul. Yes. Uh, that wasn't bad. That was pretty good, you know, for the first time, but it, it really goes more like thunder! Thunder! Thundercats! Ho! Like that. You know, I- I'm just happy at work. It-, it is my greatest honor to introduce the Lord of the Thundercats himself, Mr. Larry Tenney. Hi, hi. So, how's the uh, family doing? Everyone staying uh, safe in these uh, troubled yeah, times? Yeah. yeah, like everybody else, we're staying home and uh, staying sanitized and um, playing some board games. <laughs> The board game is taking on a whole new meaning. Yeah, that's right. B O A R D. We're having a good time, but uh, concerned about everybody else. Um. Well, I was doing some digging, and I I felt like a fool for not realizing this because you know the name's the same. I didn't realize your daughter was uh, Trudy from Reno Nine One One. Yes, indeed, my daughter Carrie Carrie. And uh, tonight she's going to be on Superstore. And let's see, when was it? Tuesday night she was on uh, Medieval Times with uh, Steve Buscemi, so she's doing very well. So you just have a whole... Uh, are your other kids doing things too? I mean, I noticed, I saw that your, I think it was your son was in, uh, did a couple of voice spots in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, yeah. He, he was with me on one of those, Grand Theft Auto 4, I think it was. And uh, he's he's done some voiceover work, but he's he's busy now working uh, on his his doctorate degree, and um, and uh, I can never think of the exact way what he calls it, but it's he's, he's involved in in um, sustainable energy. That's what it is, global sustainable energy. He travels all around the world and uh, consults companies and and um, committees and things about uh, the best way to conserve energy there. Wow. Yeah. I'm very proud of him. I, all my children. I have I have three children. Uh, and I have a daughter, Ashley, who is uh, a farmer and a mom. And she runs she, she runs sustainable farming um, forums here in the, in the Northeast. So they're all very busy and they're all making me very proud. Well, it sounds like you raised them right. I guess so. My wife did. <laughs> So then, you know, it's funny. This interview almost didn't happen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and yeah, not just because, you know, the weather decided last week that, or no, I guess it was a couple weeks ago now, that it wasn't going to let us talk. But at first, I was afraid to approach you. <laughs> because, I mean, growing up from, you know, a child of the 80s, Lionel was, you know, my childhood hero. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, so it's like, okay, how do you, you know, how do you approach that? I understand. I understand completely. I uh, uh, I felt the same way when I met Stan Lee. Oh. Um, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, I was like all the other uh, awestruck fans at the, at the Comic Con we were at. I think it was in Los Angeles. And I saw him walking down the hall, and I just froze like a little kid, you know. 
So I'm, I, I met Mr. Lee, and I shake your hand. <laughs> he was very, he was very nice about it. So imagine how distraught I was when you know the last interview failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you get a new computer? I think something happened to your computer, didn't it? Yeah, the uh, wind. We we had like seventy mile an hour straight winds that day. That'll do it. And it knocked the uh, internet out. Yeah, I and remember that. I get up this morning, and it's a torrential downpour. Hmm. And it's you know there's just thunder and lightning and like it sounds like all the cutscenes going into Mumra's lair. <laughs> I was like, oh no, not today. Any day but today, please. Well, so today is the day we're doing it today. <laughs> you know, I was like, do not. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like you know, I can, you know, when I approach people for interviews, it's you know, I know the worst worst thing they could say is no. That's right. But then when it, when I saw you know yours, I was like, do I approach him? Do I want to hear no? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I I've always had this thing about because I get to meet a lot of uh, a lot of uh, well-known people in my business, the radio and TV, and of course the comic cons and things. And I, um, I I've always had this thing too. If I hear somebody's going to be at a comic con, I'm going to be at that, that. I've always been a very big fan of. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I I, I, I want to meet them. I'm excited to meet them, but in the back of my mind, I'm just hoping they're not jerks. You know, <laughs> that's the last thing you want. Just to meet somebody that you've uh, you've admired all the all your life, and then it turns out they're not very nice. But you know what? I've come across very few of those in the business. Most of the people are really nice people. Well, that's good to say. I've, so far, I've had pretty good luck with you know meeting people in person and doing podcasting. Where yeah, it's you know I, I haven't run across really anybody that's just you know left a sour taste and. You know, I yeah, mean, you, you, you come across them where they have like a bad day, and you're like, okay, you can sure. see they're having a bad day. Mm-hmm. But everyone has bad days. They're you know exactly. Um, actually, that kind of leads me to a question I have for the voice artist community. How do you feel about the voice actor moniker? Like, do you like the qualifier voice actor, or do you prefer voice artist? Oh no, I, I I don't really care what they call me as long as they call me on time for dinners. <laughs> I um, I um, no, I, I mean I, I'm an actor. Uh, I'm a voice actor, uh, voice artist, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's only been recently, relatively recently, with the advent of the internet and uh, different things that that we voice actors uh, have become. No, my name. So, where you actually have a face? Yes, we actually have a face. <laughs> yeah, and uh, of course, on cartoon shows, uh, there were always credits, so you could always tell who was doing the voices. But people are often surprised to learn that I do commercials too, because you don't see, you know, you know, you don't see any credits on the commercials. You don't know who's doing the voice unless you you read it on the internet. So it's interesting now. I think when I, people come up to me and they know I'm Lionel, or they know I'm something else. But they they say I didn't know until I heard you talk about it on the radio or something that you're the, you're the guy that does the Skittles commercials, or you're the guy that does this or that. You know, so it's always fun to have them realize I'm not just a you're one character. Well, what I've learned from you know growing up watching cartoons is you know while we weren't always able to put even necessarily a name or a face to the uh, voice. There were voices that, like, okay, yours. You picked it up in Silverhawks. You pick it up in Thundercats. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you, you start to pick it up more often. And you're like, okay, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, and then there's voices like uh, Jim Cummings, mm-hmm. who is in everything. And I think he has like five bases that he goes off of and he just tweaks yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And you can hear it and you're like, wait a minute. You know, like the first time I heard him in something else I was like, that sounds like Tigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you, you start to latch on to your favorite voices. 
mm-hmm. which I think leads to, which I think led to, I'm sorry, you know, people mm-hmm. of my age and older digging in to find out, okay, who were these guys that were voicing, you know, our childhood? I mean, we heard them. We heard them all over mm-hmm. the place. <laughs> yeah. Who were they? Yeah. And well, and also there weren't that many of us, you know, uh, especially back in the, <clears throat> pardon me, the seventies and eighties. Uh, it was a much smaller community of people who do voiceover work. I mean, now, again, thanks to the internet, people can, uh, can get jobs as, as voice actors uh, a lot easier than it used to be. So there are a lot more people to keep track of now. Oh, yeah. So you started your career at 15 as a disc jockey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, the old, old fashioned disc jockey. I was actually on the radio playing records. <laughs> Today, of course, a DJ is something else. I started, I started in Peoria, Illinois. I, I grew up uh, across the river from uh, Peoria in a town called Pekin, Illinois. And uh, the radio station in Peoria that I started, that was WIRL. And, um, yeah, that was 1963. And uh, that was my start. And then I moved on to WOWO uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Then I went to Cleveland, Chicago, and then finally, uh, finally to New York about uh, 50 years ago. So I have to ask the you know the, the standard counselor question. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Was entertainment and acting and performing something you wanted to do, or is it just something that I don't want to say fell into your lap? But no, it's it's really something I always wanted to do. I uh, my mom tells me that I, I was doing cartoon voices and, and impressions and things like that from about the time I could talk. I would mimic things on television. <laughs> And, I, and by the time I, you know, got to, I don't know, middle school or junior high, as we called it back then, uh, I had discovered that uh, a lot of good things can come out of, uh, you know, telling jokes and making people laugh, especially girls. And um, yeah. so I, I kind of honed in on that <laughs> and, and let that become my... Actually, um, right before I became uh, got involved in radio, <clears throat> I was a sports writer. When I was 14, I was writing... a uh, sports for our local newspaper. You know, I was going to, to high school basketball games and football games and stuff, and and I would take a camera and take pictures along the way, and then after the game, go back to the, to the uh, newspaper and write my story for the next day, and then go home and go to bed and get up and go to school. So, I, and I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed writing sports, covering sports, uh, and I thought for you know for about a year, I thought this is what I want to do, and then. The first chance I had to get behind the microphone, I knew exactly. And that's, that's what I wanted to do the rest of my life. You just kind of fell into the groove and you felt comfortable? Yeah. I, there's something about it that, um, I don't know, I just said, yeah, this is for me. I really like being on the radio. Well, and then in the, I think it was, I think it said the 70s, you were doing, I didn't know you did impressions. Yeah, yeah. I, I you were working at Imus in the morning. Yeah, I was with uh, Don Imus for 35 years. And, and for those of you who may listen to the show, I was the guy who did uh, Richard Nixon on a regular basis. And, uh, oh, gosh, uh, George Patton, General Patton, um, Ted Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do uh, some impressions, too. You have a Paul Harvey impression? Hello, Americans. Paul Harvey. Right, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. How did you, how did you pull that one? I'm surprised you even know who Paul Harvey was. I grew up listening to uh, Paul Harvey. Yeah, and now you know too. the rest of the story. Now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah, I love old Paul. Yeah, and, yeah, I remember that when I heard he died, it was probably one of the saddest things that yeah. And hit in a while because my granddad and I listened to uh, Paul Harvey a lot. Sure. <laughs> so I saw that, I was like, oh, wow. But yeah, I was, I was just looking at some of the uh, impressions you did and was like, wow, that's a. Uh, like, your big ones were listed as Richard Nixon, Elvis Presley, uh, Paul Lynn, Walter, Walter Cronkite, Howard Cassell, Ed Kennedy, uh, David Brinkley, Her- uh, Henry Kissinger, I'm sorry. Patton, Paul Harvey, Jim from Taxi, and uh, Ross Perot. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize I was so good. 
they decide to do a uh, um, Back to the Future cartoon. Yeah. Maybe give me a call. You know, you, you, you have Doc Brown on lock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what prompted the, uh, I guess not really prompted, was it a natural segue from radio into voiceover? Because it seems to be the general, like, you, you work in radio, and then you find it, it's the, uh, like, best-kept secret in Hollywood. You go from radio to the voiceover community. Yeah, well, it's, it's a natural progression because when you start in radio, you start in the smaller, smaller markets, you know, like I did in Peoria, Illinois, man. Usually, at that back at that time, when, when you were a disc jockey, uh, part of your job was also either before or after your show to go in the production studio and record uh, <clears throat> whatever commercials need to be recorded that are going to be played on around the clock, you know, on, on other people's shows on the radio. So that it, it, at first it seemed like a chore, you know, but um, I soon realized it was it was a great experience for me. It was a great uh, way to learn the business uh, while while getting paid, you know. So that's a very unique opportunity uh, that people have. And I, I was very, very lucky to get a start like that. And, uh, yeah, it has led for me to, um, uh, from um, radio and uh, voices and things to to lots of other things. And one of the many things is your uh, career in advertisement. Commercials, yeah. You uh-huh. have two of the most iconic Breakfast cereal guys. Yeah. Mascots, yeah. 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 Sonny the Cuckoo Bird and Count Chocula. Right, right. Right, that's right. And Count Chocula, yes. Frightfully delicious. What, <laughs> what kind of direction did you get for the voice of the uh, Sonny the Cuckoo Bird? Cause well, well, in both uh, instances, both uh, Count Chocula and, and Cocoa Puffs, uh, they had both been... Both those characters had been done for years by uh, by other people. Um, I'm trying to think now. Gosh, Chuck McCann, whom you may know or heard of, Chuck was um, the guy who did uh, Sonny the Cocoa Puffs Bird for yeah. years and years. In fact, when I was a kid, he was doing Cocoa Puffs. He he moved to uh, Los Angeles to do films and things like that in about 1978. And that's when they had the audition for somebody else to start doing it in New York. And the, the whole idea was to sound as much like him as possible because the voice of the character had been established so well and everybody knew the character. They didn't want to, to veer off from that. So it was simply a matter of who could sound the most like Chuck McCann. And apparently I did. He got the job. And the same thing is true with Count Chocula. A guy named Jim Dukas had been the, the Count for many, many years, and he retired. And again, they held an audition, you know, for a few hundred actors, and uh, I got lucky again. As a matter of fact, uh, several several years later, I, I did both of those for almost forty years, by the way, up until a couple of years ago. Um, uh, and then a few years later, I walked into a I, I had an audition for Lucky the Leprechaun uh, for um, Lucky Charm cereal. Which is another General Mills product, as are Cocoa Puffs and Count Chocolate. So I auditioned for that. And um, a couple of days later, I hadn't heard from him yet, but I went to a recording session for, I think, Cocoa Puffs. And the producer, who also produced the Lucky Charm, he produced all the serial commercials for General Mills. And he said, Larry, um, by the way, you won that audition for Lucky the Leprechaun. I said, oh, great. And he said, well, I, uh, I negated that. I poo pooed that because and I'm thinking, what? He said, because I told him, Larry's already doing the count and count the count and, and Sonny. If we have him do Lucky and something happens to him, then we're out all three mascots. <laughs> <laughs> That's and not I, ahead. <laughs> I, I tried as hard as I could to understand the logic of that, and I never had. But I didn't want to get greedy, and I said, okay, let's somebody else do the Lucky Charms. <laughs> oh, man, that's... Always after me a Lucky Charms. It's not that hard to do, you know. <laughs> well, no, I know, uh, and we had touched on it briefly before the internet debacle of two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, that that was my first uh, foray into uh, 
voice mimicry was uh, commercials. Yeah. You know, that, that's what was on the uh, air all the time. You know, yeah, it's what you the cartoons, but it was once a week. Yeah. Commercials, it was about every, you know, you, you were guaranteed to see that commercial ten times a day. Exactly. You know, and so it's like, okay, you hear that voice, you hear that voice, you hear that voice. Mm-hmm. And up until about five years ago when my voice doesn't go as high anymore, <laughs> I can still do Sunny the uh, Cuckoo Bird. But I always Great. pictured the uh, director notes as uh, wild, uh, just kind of spastic, high-pitched. <laughs> we refer to it as frantic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More frantic, Larry. More frantic. And you're also the uh, end voiceover guy for Skittles. Yeah, that's I've been doing that for about 20 years, too. I've, I've been very lucky in my career with... Uh, with, longe- with longevity for a lot of products, you know, in this business, if you get one uh, one big account you know, that lasts a long time and is for a major product, you're you're very lucky. And I I don't know I don't know what I did right, but I've, I've had five or six of those. And the latest one is Skittles. Yeah, I'm the guy at the end who says, "Feel the rainbow, taste the rainbow." Right, so you're that last voice we hear that just drives the message home. Yeah, that's right. In fact. Uh, Every commercial I've done for them, it's been, it's only, it's easiest, it's easiest job I've ever had because when I go to the studio each time for a new commercial, there's only one word that's changed and that's the first word. <laughs> something the rainbow takes the rainbow. And so it's just that, of course we record the whole thing again, but <laughs> I told them one time they should hire me, uh, book me out for an entire day or two. And then we'll just record every verb in the English language and they'll have it more than to call me in. But they, they didn't do that. You eventually become a staple for Rankin Bass. Yeah, I did a lot of work for Rankin Bass. Yes, indeed. In fact, all of us on uh, Thundercats ended up doing um, uh, Silverhawks, Tiger Sharks, um, a, a thing called um, the Comic Strip. It was a Saturday morning comic strip for Rankin Bass on ABC. There were four 15-minute uh, cartoons in it. Was that was, the um, one with the uh, Karate Cats? Yeah, Karate Cat. I played Boom Boom Burmese on, on him. Hey, Boom Boom. Mama's looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was Mini Monsters. There were four shows. Uh, like I said, made of an hour block on Saturday mornings. And then um, after those, most of us in the cast of Thundercats and Silverhawks and Tiger Sharks went on to... Um, to produce maybe four or five Christmas specials, holiday specials, Rankin Bass. Of course, Rankin Bass got started. Their whole their whole thing started back in the sixties with um, Rudolph Red Nosed Reindeer. Let's see, were you Rock- a fan of yeah. their uh, stop motion, like mm-hmm. Rudolph and Frosty and stuff like that, prior to working for them? Or, oh, sure, I grew up watching those. So when when I got the job, the first job uh, working for Rankin Bass, I was so excited because you know I remember watching Fred Astaire on Frosty the Snowman, and or was it uh, the other way around? Fred Astaire on Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and uh, I got the guy now for Frosty the Snowman. We're alive. Yeah, yeah. So we did a lot of work, all of us, for about four or five years. We were working regularly for Rankin Bass on one thing or another. Well, and then you got to be part of one of their last stop-motion ones. It was uh, mm-hmm. Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That was really a, 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 a wonderful for me because I got to work with Sir Richard Drake. Famous oh, British that would have been fun. Yeah, yeah. We had a good time. I think I played the um, ooh, commander of something. Uh, commander of the, the wind, wind, yeah, something yeah, of the, the wind. wind. The Wind Demons, yes. <laughs> it's been a long time. That still airs occasionally. Yeah, uh, it's Howard, kind of an uh, oddball. I mean, in the grander scheme of their holiday specials, it's kind of an oddball one. I would, it, yeah. My best description of it is how you would want the Jungle Book to end, in that mm-hmm. you know, Santa Claus gets raised in the woods, yeah. becomes immortal, and gets to stay, unlike Mowgli, who has to leave. I never thought of that before. It's a good correlation. 
you know, because it's like it was, it was indeed different from the rest of them. It was not, it was uh, stop uh, animation. Uh, it was claymation, actually. Yeah, and and, and you know, uh, yeah, when you think Rankin Bass, it's usually what you think of animated. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then I realized they're responsible for my wife's favorite movie, which is The Last Unicorn. Oh, great! And I felt like a fool for not uh, realizing that you know. They also did the uh, Hobbit movies that yeah. were so popular prior to uh, Peter Jackson's. Yeah, that, they, you know, I was a huge fan of. But they produced a lot of really great stuff. Oh yeah. And then we have Silverhawks, which yeah. is I'm not I'm I'm not sure how to describe it because it's kind of like it's like GI Joe. Meets Transformers, meets <laughs> it, it, it's honestly like a, an amalgamation of up. yeah, like every sci-fi action hero yeah. thing, but it yeah. worked. Yeah, it did. It yeah. worked really well together. There are many people who come up to me at comic cons and various places and say they uh, that Silverhawks was their favorite Rankin Bass thing. I thought it was a great series too. I played Bluegrass on that. Uh, among other characters, you know, uh, the cast of, like, for example, Thundercast was only five people. We we did all the voices. So, um, and there are hundreds and hundreds of voices. So it was, uh, it got to be a lot of work. You got to come up with a new new character for a new, uh, a, you know, a new voice for a new character and not make it sound too much like a previous character or a current character. So you have at least 11 on Silverhawks. Uh, credits, yeah, yeah, probably twenty five or thirty on uh, Thundercats. Um, but yeah, I was talking to one of my podcaster friends, Eddie. And I told him I was interviewing you. He goes, "Is that bluegrass?" I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh that's my right. god, that's my favorite character." <laughs> Good. Yeah, I liked old bluegrass. He was, uh, he was um, uh, playing the guitar. A very special magical guitar. It was his weapon against uh, intruders. And um, the thing about bluegrass was, and the thing about uh, Silverhawks itself as a show, is that it had a little twist. All the Rankin Bass uh, cartoons uh, were a little unique in that um, they were trying to they were trying to teach us, uh, you know, tell a story uh, with a moral, and and uh, the thing about uh, Silverhawks with Bluegrass, he would at the end of every show he would he would teach a, a lesson to this uh, character called the Copper Kid. It was something about the universe or galaxies, you know, give him a fact here and there about uh, astronomy. So um, that that made that show special for me. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that because it wasn't like okay, you know, GI Joe. It, it was always you know you had the moral lesson of the week. Which yeah. was, was fine. Uh, you know, Thundercats toned it down a little bit with the moral lesson. Mm-hmm. But then Silverhawks took it a completely different direction and said, we're going to teach you something. And we're going to teach you something right out of the block. Yeah. You know, we're going to teach you science. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's different. Yeah. That's new. Well, that was, I, I like um, it. Yeah, me too. You know, uh, back when Thundercats came out, it came out first, uh, the Rankin Bass thing. And um, in the few years prior to Thundercats' arrival, there had been a lot of talk around the country. <clears throat> People were becoming uh, um, upset with cartoons, uh, too much violence, too many mature subject matter. Um, and, you know, things like that. There was a group of, uh, of women, I think, or at least it was a woman who started the group, uh, something about um, mothers for children's television or quality, quality in children's television or something. And um, they went before Congress and made speeches and things, and it really, it really made a difference. Rankin Bass, having he- heard that, uh, purposely produced Thundercats uh, in a way that would be more conforming to what uh, what that that group and what most people wanted. You know, less violence. There was violence on Thundercats, 
the main thing was they, they tried to work everything out first. The Thundercats never attacked anybody first or anything like that. And when they were attacked, uh, they tried to tried to reason with the, you know, the I mean, Mumra and those people. But you can't you can't reason with Mumra. You can't. So we would can't reason with evil. <laughs> yeah, but there was there were a lot of social messages in in Thundercats and all the Rankin Bass programs, which I'm proud of. Well, like the other thing that was really cool about Silverhawks was you were able to weaponize music. Yeah. Because like you said, Bluegrass had his piano. Uh, There was... No, Bluegrass had the guitar. Yeah, that's right. He had his guitar. Uh, But then there was the uh, girl. Uh, I can't think of what her name was. The evil girl. Um, She had music too. Yeah, what was her name? There you are in space Mm -hmm. fighting with music. Not weapons. (laughs) Right. Music. That's right. Yeah, and again, that's just something that you know, it's like, okay, I, I can get behind this. Yeah, something you know, new. Yeah, it's just, it, it's not the same tried method. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not everything that, you know, I see every week on every other station. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to prepare for this, I was rewatching Silverhawks, and I don't remember who did the voice for Yes Man, but. I think they would have done a really good job as uh, Igor in a Frankenstein production. Because <laughs> that's what well, he sounded like to me. Well, you know, a lot of the voices on, on cartoons and on commercials you know, and things like that. Well, for example, you take Count Chocula. That came from Bela Lugosi. Oh, you can tell. Yeah, sure. Count Chocula, see you, you know. It's just like the Count on, on Sesame Street. So that was uh, an uh, established... Uh, uh. Yes. I got to sing on one time on a Coco Puffs commercial about 30 years ago. It was, uh, let me see. Um, Count Chocula Cereal is coming your way. How about the monster for breakfast today? Thank you very much. You can sing, too. A little bit. Yeah. Would you be willing to blow my friend's mind and just say hi to Eddie as Bluegrass? Well, sure I would. Hey, Eddie. How you doing, kid? This is Bluegrass. Watch yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, and now I get to know if he actually listens to my stuff. Yeah, the test. Uh, but then, and, and I guess now we can, you know, give everyone what I know they're waiting to hear us talk about is the Thundercats, which is apparently the gift that keeps giving to you. <laughs> well, it's been it's been very good for me. Yeah, yeah. I think you're what you're referring to is. Uh, I was on the original, and then I was on the, the 2012, I think it was, uh, reboot. And now... And now I'm on uh, Thundercats Roar. They, they were the same that uh, very small children. Which has done, at least with my son, exactly what I hoped it would do. What's that? Uh, when I first saw it, I, I was very skeptical, because I'm not yeah. a huge fan of the new animation styles. A lot of people aren't. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, and it's, it, it's... I don't like the 12-minute episode formats. I don't like stuff like that. I miss the the 30-minute blocks. But what works is my son has now seen every episode of Roar that's been put out. He is now sitting down and watching the original series. Exactly. That's another thing I I'll take it. Yes. You know, I mean, he sat down yesterday because I I was watching, I think I was halfway through season one of Thundercats because I was working on some stuff. He came out, he didn't move. (laughs) I was like, oh, Okay, cool. Yeah, I went. <laughs> <laughs> you went. <laughs> well, you know, that's, uh, I'm glad to hear that because I've been telling people all along since this Thundercats roar, um, people became aware of it. There are a lot of fans of the original show who, <laughs> if you read Facebook, you know, really dislike the new Thundercats roar. And it's and not for us. That. But I, of course not. That's what I tell them. I say, you, you know, we'll always have the original. We'll always have the 2012 re- uh, reboot, too. Uh, you got that on DVD. You can watch it on YouTube. Some places they play it on television. Uh, this is for small children. And you brought up a good point, too, that I hadn't, hadn't thought of, that the kids who watch the new version of Thundercats Roar, uh, in great numbers, I think, are like your son, Gonna, gonna want to see more. In, in other words, see, you know, what came before. So, um, I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be good for the franchise. 
I did feel personally attacked by one episode of Roar, though. Have you watched any of them? Uh, I have not. There's an episode where the Thundercats try to watch something on TV. Yeah. And on the TV, here comes Bluegrass and Ironheart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Wiley Kid and Wiley Cat are like, this is geezer stuff. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm not that old. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay, Boomer, right? I'm like, oh, man. I was like, I love the tie-in and the nod, but ouch. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, it's for, it's for a newer generation. They may, who knows, they may not like it, but uh, at least it's out there. I say, and it's, you know, and I wasn't going to make, uh, I was at least going to go into it with an open mind, because I refuse to judge mm-hmm. something without at least watching it. Yeah. And the first couple episodes is like, okay, this is strange. The, the, the 12 <laughs> the 12-minute format is what threw me. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm used to a 30-minute show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, of anything, really. But that seems to be the trend with newer animation stuff now. It's, it's a shorter format. It's Yeah, because kids tend to, tend to have a shorter uh, attention span these days. They have more things to do with their, their phones and their iPads and things like that. And, and uh, you know, when we were kids, well, when I was a kid, <laughs> there were only three television channels. But um, I think uh, we had only upped it to 26 when I was a kid. So there you go. See, and now just think of all the things kids have now that occupy their attention. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but then, yeah, on the original Thundercats, you're obviously Lord, you know, Lord Lion Oak, Lord of the Thundercats. Yeah. And, and in the reboot, I played his father. Plus. Yeah, which is funny because th- there's a line in one of the uh, early episodes of the original, which I I, I thought was just kismet considering you know you play Claudus in the reboot yeah it's you know we'll be together again someday when uh Lionel goes back in time in the uh that time uh whatever those things called time capsule mm-hmm. to yeah. get the uh, uh instructions on the mutant robot you know, and yeah he's like we'll be together again one day father and then yeah that's right you yeah, know, you're right I remember that fast forward umpteen years and there they are sure, you know Sure as shit, there you are, you know, it's <laughs> Lionel and Claudius, same yeah. voice and different body. I play uh, I played Jaga on Thundercats Roar. Yeah, that threw me for a loop. <laughs> I know. But I'm not on, I'm only on about, so far, about five or six episodes, I think. Everything explodes sometimes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, very good. That was one of my lines, I think. Uh, Everything, what was it? Everything. Everything explodes sometimes. Oh, explode! Yeah, explode. Yeah, everything explodes sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, at this point, if they do another iteration, I mean, you're either going to have to be Mumra <laughs> or like y- y- your options at this point are Mumra, Groon, or one of the ancient spirits. I mean, you can't. <laughs> you you've reached the peak on the Thundercat side. You can't go much yeah, higher. Just about. Well, I, you know, I did do Mumra on the DVD box set of Thundercats. Um, Earl Hammond, uh, God rest his soul, who played Mumra beautifully, had passed away. And they wanted me to do his voice uh, on a game that was on the, the interactive game, you know, that was on the uh, the box set. So they, I just, they had me do things like... Um, um, Ancient spirit of evil, you won the game, or you lost the game, or you didn't play the game. <laughs> so I enjoy playing Mumra. Every actor, I'll tell you, they love playing bad guys, love playing villains, because you get to chew the scenery, you get to, to act, really overact, and get away with it. Well, I mean, you, you, you can do that as the hero, but it sounds really cheesy. Yes, it does. Yeah. Because yeah, there was an interview I saw you with. Uh, they had asked you, uh, I think, how you found the voice for Lionel, and you were talking about how you didn't want it to be. And I'm paraphrasing. You, you didn't want it to be that like over the top. Aha! I'm a superhero. <laughs> yeah. But right. the the directors, 
you know, still wanted it to be that noticeable, I'm the hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so you had to find that fine line of what what they wanted without, mm-hmm. I call it the Superman voice. You know, cause <laughs> it's, it's the early I Superman played, voice. I also played him on Superman peanut butter commercials back in the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> you're right, though. Uh, the thing about Lionel's voice, you're right. It had to, that's one of the things they told us at the beginning when we auditioned for. It has to be authoritative. He is the Lord of the Thundercats. But always keep in mind, he's still basically a 12 year old boy. He, he never had a chance to grow up because he's not time capsule, you know, from the time when they left, uh, Third Earth and, uh, or when they left the, the original place. And, um, so even in the later episodes, uh, he was kind of a man boy, you know, that's why he would occasionally you know, say, I, 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 he did go to jog all the time for advice. You know, he just wasn't sure he could handle it. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have Jackalman. Yes. You know, which yeah. I, I think is just interesting because mm-hmm. it's, because like you mentioned earlier, you have to find ways to make sure your voice doesn't sound the same. And yeah, that's why, yeah, that's that why one we call is that completely different. Yeah. Well, for, for Jackalman, uh, uh, when we auditioned, you walk into a, on this particular one, you walk into the room and the whole, all the walls are covered with, uh, uh illustrations of the characters and, and drawings of, um, the, the cat's lair and the thunder tank and all that. So you get the idea of what the show is going to look like. And then, uh, they would give you a short synopsis to read about each character, uh, you know, what had happened to him in the past and why he is the way he is and all that kind of thing. And as I read the one for, uh, Jackal Man, pictures, of course, well, in, in my mind, a jackal, the animal jackal, is considered much like a, a, a wolf or a hyena, very sneaky, very um, nasty, you know, and, and always plotting things. So I had that in mind, and then I, I kind of channeled from my childhood uh, a character from Rocky and Bullwinkle, one of my favorite shows, um, Snidely Whiplash. Yep. He was, he was the, the ultimate villain. Now that you say it, I can hear it. Yeah, and a cape and everything. And he talked like, um, Hello, Nalo. I'm going to tie you to the railroad track. So I kind of incorporated that with the other part and came up with, uh, We were skipping on the cats, yes. (laughs) And now you know the rest of the story. Of your, uh, yeah, and then you played a bunch of, you know, on again, off again characters. There was, uh, Snarf Egbert, uh, who shows up about the same time uh, Ma- uh, Mama does, when they needed to add more characters to the show. Uh, he, he was a fun little Snarf addition. Um, but honestly, I think my favorite one of your uh, side uh, additions was uh, Safari Joe. Safari Joe, that's right. <laughs> he had the bald, as I recall, had the big mustache. Yeah, he was Australian. With, with a monocle. That's a monocle. That's right. That, that, that's Aunt how you knew he was evil. Like he had him. a big mustache and a monocle. <laughs> <laughs> and legs. That's about it. The, the Safari Joe episode was awesome because the Thundercats had no clue what to do. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it was one of those episodes where like, you, you got so used to, okay, they can get out of just about anything, you know, okay, They'll get yeah. out of this, no problem. And then you get to Safari Joe, and you're like, oh, he's got him beat. Yeah. You know, what, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Then, obviously, they beat him because it's Thundercats, not Safari Joe show. Exactly. It, that one actually left you hanging a little bit. Um, yeah, a little suspense. Never, never which was that. great, because, especially back then, because everything got to be a little predictable on cartoons. Yeah. Uh, Wizra was a good uh, second right behind uh, Safari Joe. Wizra? Did I do Wizra? Uh, as you listed as Wizra. I must have done it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was I, a, uh, I think that one's a one-off because I think he only appears one time because you can only show yeah, up seven, yeah, every a lot of them are one, 7, one time years. Only. I think I also did um, Rataro for sure. Maybe not. Like I said, we, we all did uh, Lots and lots of voices. Oh, yeah. The show went on and they kept adding characters, uh, you know, like the rubber burbles and people like that. We had to come up with new characters. And after a couple of years, the most difficult part of that was um, 
when you, when you came up with a new character, you had to be careful. It didn't sound anything like any other character on the show. So sometimes we had to uh, we had to have the engineer go back and pull out a thing from two years ago that, that I did to play it for me and remind me exactly where I was with that voice. Or well, we all did that. It's like, okay, who did? What this guy sound like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, so you, you, guys, match- you guys paid better attention to continuity back then than most shows do now. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> you're uh, right. And then, yeah, you got to play Claudus in the masterfully done reboot in the mid-2000s. Uh, uh, 2012, I think it was, yeah. And I was really upset to see that show end because yeah, it kind of ended well. Yeah, I thought it was a really good series. I, I was very surprised. Uh, the word I got from my friends at Warner Brothers after it was canceled was that the ratings were very good on the on the Cartoon Network. The toy sales were not uh, fabulous, and that's what they look at today, unfortunately, is the most the driving force is uh, selling those toys. Of course. That means the market hasn't changed that much. No, no. I used to do hundreds of commercials back in the 70s and 80s for toys. A lot of Milton Bradley, um, a lot of G.I. Joe commercials, um, crash test dummies I did, uh, board games, and, uh, op- Operation, I the voice on Operation. did a lot of those commercials. Because, yeah, I mean, as far as a reboot goes, they did a wonderful job of putting that show together. You know, they got the... Man child of Lion O pretty well figured out. Yeah. Um, added some new elements to the story. You know, I had a little rivalry between him and Tigra. Do you guys Brother, see some brotherly more, rivalry? Uh, yeah. We find out, we find out later, of course, in 2012, you find out that they actually are brothers. You know, you get to see some more time on Thundera, you know, and it's. So when, yeah, they just kind of pulled the plug on it, it's like, what happened? I mean, it was better than the Masters reboot that came out about the same time. Yeah, I think so. You, know, you never know. See, that's what I'm talking about. The ratings can be great, and everybody can love it. But if people aren't buying a certain product that it promotes, uh, it's not not making any money for um, the toy companies. <laughs> and 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 by by extension, or the the people who make the, the toys. Did you ever get a chance to speak with the uh, animators or was it always with the uh, voice director for timing and stuff? Well, all that, all that kind of stuff in terms of direction came from our, our director, um, Lee Doniger, who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, she was wonderful. Um, now, we, we occasionally, as I recall... The animation was done in, uh, in Australia, for one thing, and uh, a lot of people don't know that, and and in Japan. Um, I, I forgot what my point was now. What, what, what were, you, were you talking about? We were talking about uh, timing stuff for coming from uh, directors. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, during the course of the three, three and a half years that we were recording uh, all those series, um, people, we did meet people uh, who came to the studio occasionally just to, you know, watch us record for half an hour or something. And some of them were animators. Uh, and we just we would briefly say hi, you know. Um, a couple of times, um, um, which, which one was Mr. Rankin or Mr. Bass? I forgot which one it was. <laughs> would, would pop in on us. But no, the, the, um, the direction all came from Lee Doniker, who was she was the boss in terms of what this character is going to sound like, uh, how many times, it, how many retakes she had to do, and things like that. She she ran the whole show, and she was wonderful. It's interesting because mm-hmm. I mean, you watch the shows, you never really know how that's going to work. Um, do you have any projects you're working on right now that you want to promote, or are you just got? Uh, well, I I have ventured into. Well, you mentioned video games. I, I was on several video games. I have been. Uh, you mentioned uh, Grand Theft Auto 4. The latest one is uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. I play a character called uh, J.B. Cripps, an old curmudgeon fur trader. Nice. And that's that's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy that. And I'm still doing Skittles. What else is going on? See, in this business, you don't 
you don't look very far down the road because uh, um, you might get a call one day for your agent to go to an audition the next day or the day after, and then you might not have anything to do for two or three weeks. You know, it's one of those kinds of business as well as acting, you know. So you can't really plan in, in advance too far. But right now, those those are the main ones I have. The Skittles, of course, I'm still doing Skittles. And um, whatever they hand me, I'll read. I talk for food. Do you have a dream role or anything that you would like to tackle before your before career is over? <laughs> I was going to say before your career is over. It sounded nicer. Well, it's going to be the same thing because I ain't going to quit until I die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep talking, so why not get paid for it? You know, no, I, I love it so much. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I've cut back a little bit. I, I only take jobs I, I you know I really want now. I don't go into audition for like local. A commercial over a local bank or anything like that. Um, but I mean, I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, Why not? That's good. I mean, you got to eat, right? You got to eat. got to yeah. stay young. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, so fans can find you on your Facebook page? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram, but I don't, how, don't know how to work it very well. <laughs> I'll so see if I can I, figure it out, and I'll add the link okay, to the... Okay, yeah, let me, know which, let me know how it works. <laughs> I'll, say I'll add the but, link to the uh, I'm on Facebook all the time, so look for me there. So guys, you can find him on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Facebook as well at uh, Moose's Marvelous Wood Burnings and More, where if you're looking for new and interesting art, then we have wood for you. And good. from all of us here at Full Spit with Moose, I'm Moose, he's Larry, and Larry, I just want to thank you again for coming on to the show and chatting. Been with my pleasure, Paul. Thank you for coming. Even with the uh, technical difficulties from the last time getting yep. through this. <laughs> well, we made it. It's been my pleasure, Paul. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. And okay, buddy. Take care. Until next time, guys. It, there's a lot of podcasts out there, and if you didn't hear it here, it's probably just a load of bull spit. <laughs> See you next time. Ooh-wee, that sure was some bull spitting, but I sure had fun. Junior, you just failed. Be sure to tune in next time.